Hi, this is Jeff Thigpen, Guilford County Register of Deeds. And I'm Carly Malcolm, lead for North Carolina Fellow for Guilford County from the UNC School of Government. And welcome to the Good Grief Podcast. Have you ever lost a loved one and had to figure out what to do? Have you ever felt alone and overwhelmed? Did it make you wonder why on earth this is all so complicated? In this podcast series, we bring together community partners to talk unapologetically about issues of death and dying. We answer questions about funerals, hospice, estates, and more to give our listeners the knowledge they need to make decisions for themselves and their loved ones. We want everyone in Guilford County to know that they're supported, that we live in a community where we cannot only live and live well, but when we die, we can also die well because we care. So we thank you for joining us for the Good Grief Podcast and for taking this step to be better prepared for end-of-life challenges. This is Carly Malcolm, Lead for NC Fellow from the North Carolina School of Government with Jeff Thigpen, Guilford County Register of Deeds, and welcome to the Good Grief Podcast. Today we're going to talk with Jeff about how the End of Life Innovation Project got started and about the Good Grief Podcast series, you know, why we're doing this, what we hope to achieve. We'll also give insights into upcoming podcasts that we believe will be worth listening to. So thank you for being with us and let's get started. Welcome, Jeff. Glad to be here. (laughs) So tell me, how did the End of Life Project get started? Well, the End of Life Innovation Project started with a series of events. In general, I've always looked at our basic service in the Registered Deeds Office and said, okay, we deal with birth, marriages, deaths, you know, land records. How can we add value to our core services? The fact is, most people don't know what we do, but if you buy a house, you get married, have a kid, get out the military, you lose a loved one, you know, you come see us. And in a way, we at the most local level hold the public trust around some very important times in people's lives. And so, you know, they come in, people who live in our communities come in every day and they interact with us in those moments. And what I found with death certificates, a lot of times when people would come in, it would be fresh on their hearts and their minds. And they were in mourning in many cases, and they'd be dealing with a ton of grief and around the loss of a loved one. And then from there, they'd be interacting with a lot of organizations around death and dying, hospice, funeral homes, clerk of courts offices. They were in caregiving environments, and many times they were just unprepared for those moments. And in a lot of cases, they hadn't had those conversations and uh, they didn't know about things like advanced care directives. They didn't know about cost factors related to death and dying. In some cases, you know, because we live in a culture that doesn't like to talk about death, a lot of times emotional and spiritual support were not there or they just seemed to be overwhelmed. And so the conversation of value came up about, okay, we're, we've got a limited role in this ecosystem, but it's very important. And the question is, what can we do to leverage that position? Not recreating the wheel because we have a community of support and organizations doing work within our community around death and dying, but how can we amplify what they were doing? And so we started going down this road and there were a number of web-based resources we looked at. Two of the things that I remember early on was looking at the New Zealand end of life website that had a lot of interesting pieces of information. And Hospice of the UK is really good. And they had a podcast called Dying Matters. And I would recommend that to everybody in addition to what we're doing here. So the conversation started and it started going slowly at first. And as I'll mention later and talk about, I mean, it's really started happening now that you're here with us and, and we're getting this podcast series started and those kinds of things. 
So you're seeing people come in, people who maybe didn't even know what the Register of Deeds was until they really needed you, and you saw that opportunity to make things a little bit easier on people, offer that support while they're dealing with all of these issues related to the loss of a loved one. I know that we talked about several situations that also influenced your passion for this project. you want to talk about those? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about three. And a lot of times whenever you get committed to do something, you know, sometimes you go, you know, I really want to do this. But that really wasn't how this started for me. You know, it's hard to talk about death and dying. And a lot of times, again, we don't deal with it until it comes to us. One day I had an unexpected visitor a few years ago, and I'll call her Maggie. She didn't want to see any of my staff. She said, no, I want to see the registered deeds. And when they came back and told me, I was like, well, I mean, why? And so, but when she came back and I saw her, I could immediately see that she had a serious illness. And from the moment I, I laid eyes on her, I knew that I really needed to explore this and talk with her about why she was there. And she later told me, I mean, she had stage four cancer. She had been through a series of treatments and chemotherapy. Her body was uh, weak and you could see it. And I remember she was wearing a red handkerchief over her hair that she had lost. And, you know, she came in and I was just captured by her sense of grace and and purpose. And I remember looking into her eyes and seeing somebody that obviously had gone through a whole lot. And yet she was really poised and an active part of a process of of helping her family come to terms with her impending death. And that moment was really impactful on me because it was a space where I could see life and death. And it's not unlike an experience that I had when I was with my father. And I'll mention, lastly, this is personal, but but that moment with her was really touching. Sorry, before we move forward, could I ask, what had she come in to ask you about? She wanted to know the process of getting a death certificate. Mm, for herself? Yeah. Wow. And, and that alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I thought about it, I'm like, how could I ever have the clarity and the strength and the character and fortitude to come in and literally research and understand and get to know the process of my own death process, mm-hmm. not just in terms of physical and, and, all, and emotional, but she was actually looking into the institutions. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking if someone who's in that situation you know, had the clarity and the passion to do that. It was something that just stayed with me. Mm -hmm. And another situation that came up was with a friend of mine, a former county commissioner, Republican County Commissioner Mary Rakestraw and her husband, Frank, were really good friends of mine. And Frank died and he was an incredibly organized person and he was hilarious. I mean, him and I would just have wonderful conversations about politics. We <laughs> both knew we totally disagreed with one another. But the fundamental thing we all agreed on was that we were all Carolina fans. <laughs> so, you know, so we all got along and we could always fight and argue about stuff. But then we'd always come back to a moment where we could appreciate each other and talk about the basketball season or something. <laughs> but, you know, Mary, Frank laid out everything for her, was very organized. And she talked to me about what he did. But she went to a local bank and she was trying to get into the safety deposit box. And she just felt like the staff and the people there were just totally not attentive to her. They didn't feel like they respected her grief. She was upset. She was furious. And I just remember her saying over and over, good grief. You know, I had to do this or good grief. I had to, you know, I had to go back and verify the will or do something. You know, she's like, I had all these steps that I had to go through. And so 
She was really frustrated with the system. She was frustrated with the bureaucracy and she was in mourning. And so that was another piece of this. And underlying both of those two situations, like I said earlier, was that it was personal for me. It became that way after I began really seeing through the eyes of people who were dealing with this more and more, you know, that I think a part of my role and responsibility in my position is to try to find ways to leverage uh, my position to add value to the conversation about death and dying and understanding grieving. And, and like I said, I went through that with my father 22 years ago. And I remember it clearly today. And it inspired me to do a lot of things. I mean, it was the foundation in many ways for me becoming an elected official as a county commissioner way back then when I served with Mary. But the idea that I want to live a meaningful life, I want to contribute to that space, because as we talk about a lot, Carly, you know, again, people have a hard time talking about death and dying. And mm -hmm. I think that Jane Gibson, I think, summed, summed that up when I was talking to her at one point. She used to work with hospice. And she said, you know, there are a number of situations where people have a lot of support, but it's those 1 a.m. phone messages and emails that I get that worry me about people agonizing over the death of loved ones. And I think about those folks as we're doing this podcast, because Jane said then she said you know sometimes people just want to hear a voice they want to hear somebody who could they, they can identify with and that they may be able to draw some knowledge from and so i think our hope in doing the podcast series and through you know enhancing our web resources and that kind of thing will be helpful to people who are trying to get that support mm -hmm. so with all of that in mind what are the goals of the end of life innovation project well, the two particular goals, one is to promote online information and research, education resources for support for care during end of life challenges. That is by no means that all of the information we have there is from the Register of Deeds office. You know, I mean, we are out there gathering information and knowledge from a variety of community resources. And our hope is that we can help facilitate that. The second goal is to have interactive resources, for example, like the podcast series, you know, through the podcast that we've already done, we partner with the hospice organizations and palliative care. You know, we've touched on bereavement counseling. We've had faith communities, discussions around religion and spirituality, advanced care planning, you know, a lot pre-planning around funerals and estates and people who are caregivers. You know, we even get into body donation. But yeah, we both remember that one. That was a great conversation. But we are trying to provide both the online resources and the voice to help people deal with these end of life challenges. And so those are the basically the two goals. And I think that we're off to a good start. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Good Grief podcast series, how do you think that's going? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I always thought about doing these things, but that never really happened. And then somewhere down the line, we picked up this young college graduate <laughs> from Clemson who came in and, you know, grabbed me by the ear and helped put all this together Got and jump started a little bit it jump started and in all seriousness i mean you know i really want to appreciate you in doing this i want to thank you you know we selected you like you mentioned early on as a, a lead for nc fellow from the institute of government and i think you've done an outstanding job helping put together the interviews and scheduling you've been a great co-host to the podcast brody who's here with us today i want to thank him for for helping bring the equipment together and the space for us to do that and i think like you said we've done a lot of work in a short period of time we're interviewing folks before they go live and so as we are beginning the podcast series we are already at about 30 podcasts and the content as you know carly is incredible 
the people are down to earth. They cover a lot of interesting pieces of their lives and what they do. And they are a diverse group of people. And I think that we both have been touched by how much they care. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think if I had to give it a grade, I would give it like an A plus because I mean, and I'm grading on a curve because, you know, we kind of both come into this conversation not knowing a lot and having to pick it up as we go along. And we've had some really good teachers. Yeah, definitely learning along the way. Have there been any moments in the podcast series that have stood out to you? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) There have been many. I think that, and I'll just, I'll name a few, and I'm sure you'll remember Patty Gasparella mm-hmm. with Kids Path through AuthorCare, working with terminally ill children, kids who've lost loved ones. I mean, I think she shared several stories in there that probably left both of us in tears. I know I was in tears. Randall Keeney was one, and I remember him saying something like, no one should have to go bankrupt burying their loved ones. Yeah. Bradley Hunt was good. Bradley from New Light Baptist Church, who has experience in funeral home management, talking about things like African-American traditions around life and death and music and culture, as well as talking about the idea of a structural inequality of racism and the history of the African-American church, both as a protector of folks in that history, but also a light for people to gather strength and community. And that impacts their views on life and death. I love the Spanish-speaking podcast that I didn't participate in, by the way, that you did with Robert Garcia with Trellis. And there are a number of others that we did, and I could kind of go on and on about them, but those are just a few. And I think that when folks really get into it, you know, we're going to have these interview, we're going to transcribe them and have notes and, and web-based resources that people can refer to. But I just think there's just so many nuggets of wisdom in all of them that I think have been touching to, to me, and uh, I know you too. Most definitely, yeah. Well, lastly, can you tell me what you're learning through this project and through the podcast series? Yeah, there's this saying that to reclaim dying is to reclaim a sense of living. And, you know, I think we wanted to go into this place and space around death and dying, and as we say, unapologetically, without preconception, but with a little bit of boldness, maybe some naivete, but we've come here. And to be honest, you know, like I said earlier, I don't like to talk about death and dying. I, I have a hard time with it. You know, we compartmentalize and dismiss it. We fear it. We get so distracted by our culture that idealizes immortality. I mean, I love the Highlander movies, (laughs) but that doesn't give us the time and the space that we need to actually see that death is a natural part of life. And a friend once told me a long time ago that she had never known anyone to get out of this world alive. And Mm -hmm. we kind of joke, I think in one of the podcasts, you know, death is batting a thousand, you know, it throws no hitters all the time. And So we need to get on it. And there's also a saying by a philosopher, Mullah Nuzridin, that I was reading the other day that said, if I survive this life without dying, I'll be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, we're learning to talk about it. And for me, that's helpful because it helps me get in a position of openness, of learning, of growth, of vulnerability, of listening to people share their vulnerabilities around this and what they see. And that I'm not learning alone. You know, I mean, we're kind of in this together and everyone that we've interviewed up to this moment has walked away as we have looking at each other going, you know, this is important. We need to do this. And so I've learned a lot about serious illness and I've learned to see a level of courage from people 
and grace and commitment that they bring to this ecosystem in a way that, I mean, has just incredibly been inspiring to me. And so their stories and the knowledge that they brought has touched me. I know they've touched you too. Like I said, we're not in, I'm not in this alone. You know, you've brought a lot to it as well. And I've appreciated the opportunity to go into this space with so many local voices. It has been a very special project. And I, I just see it as a gift. Thank you, Jeff, so much for taking the time today to go through all of this and also for all of the work that you've put into making this project a reality. This is Carly Malcolm, Lead for North Carolina Fellow, and Jeff Thigpen, Guilford County Register of Deeds, and you've been listening to the Good Grief Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Grief Podcast. We want your feedback. You can visit our website at www.guilforddeeds.com. You can also email us at endoflife at guilfordcountync.gov or find us on Twitter with the handle at guilford underscore ROD. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and until next time, take care.